2: Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com.
3: And Overnight America continues. We like to keep an eye on what's going on around the area and Someone that keeps an eye constantly. In fact, I believe he sleeps with one eye open when it comes to watching politicians in the county. He's a local county watchdog. Tom Sullivan, how are you?
0: Doing fine, Ryan. Nice to be with you.
3: (laughs) Sleep with one eye open. All right, so there's a few things that are going on right now in the county. And I know that you pay attention to the county meetings, and we saw that there was... A council vote to limit power. And we know that some people are quite upset when it comes to the additional restrictions that are in place, singling out the restaurants in the area. I wanted to play a clip for you and I wanted to get your reaction to it. So this is from Dr. Sam Page's Monday briefing. He was actually asked a question from KMOX regarding the potential of maybe state legislators stepping in and trying to make it so they can't add these additional restrictions to restaurants. And then as part of his answer, he said this.
4: But what I've seen in St. Louis County and even across the country is that the vast majority of our residents understand the difficult sacrifices we are making, including restrictions on restaurants and bars for in, indoor dining and recognizing that these are difficult and necessary decisions.
3: Okay, so you see a lot of public comments. There have been a lot of public comments on this. And I know that normally when people have public comments, they're upset about something. But when he says that most people understand that this is necessary, and they agree that we need to shut down indoor dining, is that consistent with the public comments you've seen in the county?
0: Uh, the public comments on this have been pretty pretty much divided. Uh, at the council meeting last night, uh, that happened again. We had some people that are, uh, you know, saying Sam Page is doing a fine job. And then, of course, you have people saying that, you know, this is going way too far on the restaurants. Some of the restaurant people are saying that, uh, you know, it's going to drive us out of business. And, and you know, they think that Sam Page has taken the medical side of this a little bit too much. I mean, he can go on about the problems that the hospitals are having, and, and and some of the medical centers, and they say, yeah, we're having problems too. And a lot of these restaurant uh, owners are working for nothing right now, and of course, some of them that are that are uh, that's the ones that are even able to stay open. Most of them can't even stay open. So I mean, they look upon it as being somewhat unfair towards them, and the fact that they they don't think that restaurants are are the ones that are generating all the uh, infections, but Sam Page uh, seems to think that, that they are.
3: I think I know that Jane Duker has been a pretty big uh, vocal proponent for the inconsistencies in laws like this, and she points out the casino. So essentially, you can walk around with food and drink in your hand, and that's no big deal doing that indoors. But when it comes to local restaurants, you can't do that. Um, So the inconsistencies, the problems that it's enforced and somehow singles out restaurants as the perpetrator for this has angered a lot of people from what I've seen. And you see that there was a resolution put together in order to try to take a little bit of power and reel it back from Sam Page. There was a response to that today, too. I don't know if you saw that briefing, but he basically says, ah, nice try, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, When it comes to that fight, the county council, it looks like, is starting to change sides. You know, the the same council that gave him the ability to spend this coronavirus money are now starting to maybe turn a little bit and say, well, maybe we have given a little bit too much power to Sam Page. We need to stick to the county council's power as opposed to a one-person
1: power.
0: Well, things have changed somewhat on the uh, on the county council. Actually, it's a, it's a rather big story that hasn't been given a lot of attention, but Sam Page has lost his majority. He has had a 4-3 to three, uh, majority uh, ever since he became county executive. But we've had, uh, last year, we had a, um, a new council member come on, and she was pretty much uh, in support of Sam Page. Uh, I'm talking about rid today's days, and she has, I think, has... Finally, it had her, uh, you know, had her limit on on all this stuff that's going on, and she is no longer uh, no longer on his on his majority. And so, I mean, what we had last night was they had a resolution that wanted to cancel some of Sam Page's uh, emergency orders, plus uh, say that any future rules and regulations uh, along those lines that the health director has to come to the council, and that they need to have uh, need to have council approval. The only problem, though, is that is a resolution. It doesn't really have the effect of an ordinance. They cannot, they can pass an ordinance, but the problem is that Sam Page will veto it and they do not have the five votes to uh, override it. They might have the five votes uh, after January the 1st when we get a new council, but we will have to see. That
3: should be concerning to a lot of different people that we have this unchecked power in the sense that they're. Um, allowing the county executive to go out and have the ability to do all of this unchecked. Uh, That scares me a little bit. And uh, Coming off of what we saw in the county where we have the former county executive, Steve Stanger, that's in federal prison for the shenanigans that he pulled in there. There should be a little bit more checks and balances in place as opposed to just uh, putting all your eggs in one basket. And I feel like they made a huge mistake allowing it from the onset at the start of this coronavirus to allow Sam page to do that to begin with. Now they're starting to realize maybe that was a bad idea. They got to get more council members back on the side of putting power back into their hands and at least making it so that these things would have to go through the council. Um, cause I think that's only reasonable. That's kind of the reason why the council's there.
0: Well, that's been their argument all along that one person should not be deciding all these things. And, you know, let his council's attitude is let's work in a collaborative manner. But Sam Page has been absolutely adamant. He does not want to give up anything. He thinks he should be the sole sole uh, decider. And uh he's fighting fighting with the county council. Uh he's been fighting with the restaurant owners, and now, as like you mentioned, uh he he basically dismissed the state legislatures and said we're gonna pass uh we're gonna pass uh some legislation that's gonna restrict his ability to issue orders. He just said, Well, you know, a couple of thousand uh bills are, are uh entered into the legislature every year, but only a few pass. So I mean, rather than trying to talk to him or, or or you know, try to reason with him or or try to try to compromise with him, he just says, No, I'm not I'm not not even gonna talk to him. So I mean that's that has been a large part of the problem. You know that famous quote, Ryan, what we have here is a failure to communicate. That has <laughs> that has really been the case with this whole whole situation.
3: What is that from? I know there's that Ted Nugent song that uses it, but it has to be from somewhere else.
0: I think it was Paul Newman in HUD, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay. What so I don't understand, back. too.
3: You know, it, it, it's not like Sam Page is this big, charismatic personality that's like the life of the party that everyone's like, oh, yeah, we'll let him do his thing. I just don't get it. They, I I don't understand why all of this came about to begin with, this unfettered let's just go in and allow him to do what he wants it just seems like a bad idea any time if you're an elected official or just an official in general, why would you want to give your power up to allow one person to, uh, to do everything? It just boggles my mind. But one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and Tom Sullivan joining us here on Overnight America, one of the new investigations from Lauren Traeger over at KMOV just broke, and I saw that you put an email out, and I'm glad that you tipped me off to this. So there's another secret text-deleting app scandal. We know that Eric Greitens was caught with one. This time around, it has to do with a couple of members on the county council, that may be using this. Now, the, the the thing is may be using this because apparently this app is called Signal and it does exactly like some of these other apps that we're familiar with during the Greitens case, which is you can text message someone and when you're done, it, it kind of like deletes it. it. It it wipes it off your phone so you can't trace it. You can't go back. It doesn't store it anywhere. So again, it makes it so that these encrypted messages back and forth to, uh, so no one else will see it. It, it kind of like the old self-destruct messages from Mission Impossible. Well, when you're in, when you're a government official in transparency and record keeping is something that should be done and you have an elected official that has an app that does something like this, it raises all kinds of questions. Are they using official business with these apps? Are they doing things that should be uh, archived, but they're deleting them. What are they messaging? Why are they using an app like this? There's all kinds of other questions coming up. And two names come to mind, Sam Page and Lisa Clancy apparently through Lauren Traeger's investigation found that it, they at least have these apps on their phones.
0: Yeah, it was broke at the six o'clock news and apparently they're using an app called Signal, which I am not familiar with. but somehow or another it's uh, it deletes messages and uh, it raises a whole bunch of questions of what exactly they're deleting. And of course they say, Oh, we're just this, just personal business. Well who, who's who's gonna decide that? You know, that's a, that's an excuse that they always give. And also don't forget Sam Page has a part time job, uh, working at Mercy Hospital, and uh he may not want to uh he may not want anybody to know uh some of the hours that he's working over there. So when you look at what's all that went on with Eric Griden's and his deleting apps, uh, I I'm just astounded that Sam Page would even uh would even put something like that on it, on his phone, and especially when you have somebody like Jane Duker looking into stuff, and uh, she was able to figure out that both uh, he and Lisa Clancy have it on their phones.
3: Well, this when you have sunshine laws where you could request information from the government, and there's certain things that need to be preserved, government business, and you find out that, well, maybe they, be, they might be. That just the fact that they have this And it could be found that they have this could indicate that some of the things that needed to be uh, preserved and archived were not necessarily going. I don't know how you'd be able to find out, but the very least you point out, we've gone through this before. Previous county executive had something similar, and we know that it was something that was uh, raised a lot of red flags. They're doing it again. Why would you even do this? There's, I don't understand it. And for someone like you, I know that you also pay very close attention. If you try to request something, there shouldn't be this this uh, fog to think that maybe what you're requesting has been put through an app and deleted, and that's the reason you can't get it.
0: That's You have touched. That's exactly the problem. And uh, to say that oh, we're only going to put personal information, we're only deleting personal information, well, we, we don't know that at all. And, you know, to... Best thing to do is simply to avoid that kind of that kind of app, especially after all this going on. I, I am just astounded that he would uh, he would be using something like that. It's almost like if you are married
3: and you have the Tinder app on your phone, and your wife finds your phone and says, "Why do you have this dating app on your phone?" And you'd say, "Oh no, I am not using it. I just have it on my phone." Yeah, right. Like your wife's going to buy that. You know, we as people that live in the area shouldn't buy the idea that you have a app that goes out of its way to delete messages, Mission Impossible style or Inspector Gadget style, where as soon as you read it, it self destructs. And to think that it was only used in a way that is not compromising things that they should be keeping because of Sunshine laws. So uh, we ha- we have a reason to be skeptical. It really bothers me seeing things like this.
0: Well, then he said, "Oh, it's been, I only put it on there a couple of days ago, and my son put it on there." It's like. Yeah, I have right. to say, that's not, uh, that's not big on the believability scale.
3: Yeah, I don't know. It, you're doing official government business, and you let your kids use your phone? Yeah, right. <laughs> Does that sound believable, too? too. <laughs> yeah, you're a doctor, too. it's right. Oh, my goodness. All right, so I, I like that uh, you pay attention. I'm glad that you're paying attention to this. This is a pretty big deal. Um, it needs to be followed up. And, I, you know, the, the problem is I feel like we've been lied to so many times. It's just it's we've got to get this out we got to flesh out these problems that we have in the county we've already have trust issues because of steve stanger and to think that we're going through this all over again like come on now we we don't want to go to this rodeo again we just have to we got to turn this around so we kind of it just bothers me so much but i'm ranting now uh i gotta say i'm I'm glad that you join us here and you talk about these things you watch these things tom sullivan thank you so much for coming on to overnight america thanks for having me ryan and he joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line. Yeah, with these secret apps, it's like you being a married person and you download Tinder. If you don't know what that is, it's an app that mostly like young kids use to hook up on. Like, you know, oh, we're going to go on dates or a lot of times they use it as a way to find, you know, sexual partners or whatever. So they de- it's like you as a married person downloading this thing, your wife seeing it on your phone saying, what are you doing with this Tinder app? And saying, oh, it's just on there. I don't use it. It's just crazy. Yeah, right. Like they're going to believe that. Uh, That's kind of us looking at what's going on with these secret messaging apps that are on Sam Page and Lisa Clancy's phones. Yeah, right. Like, we're supposed to believe that. You know, particularly if you just came off of uh, an affair (laughs) like we did in the county. 314 436 7900. It's Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier.
4: Siri, play KMOX.
3: Welcome back to Overnight America. Man, I I see this story from KMOV and Lauren Traeger breaking it today. Secretive text-deleting app signal appears on some local leaders' phones despite experts' repeat warnings. Man, we've gone through this. We've had so many of these issues. We have gone through this before. We got major trust issues. I see June uh, Jane Duker on Twitter. She is just having a field day right now with everything that's going on in the county and seeing these apps no one's believing it no one is no one is believing that this is innocent i truly believe that the reason that these things are on there is because they're using them is that so unreasonable to believe (laughs) we've gone through this how many times do we have to be burned in the county to see this happen over and over again we got such problems we have terrible politicians in the St. Louis region, but we have one that's in federal prison, corrupt as can be. And we keep putting ourselves in a position where we keep burning ourselves because for whatever reason, we just can't seem to find the right people. Um, I, I will say St. Louis City did pretty good with Lida Cruz and she's done a good job as mayor, um, all things considered, even though I don't believe in all of her stances when it comes to politics but all things considered you at least believe her heart is in the right spot and she wants to do good for the city and all of this nonsense that happens with steve stanger you don't no one believes he was doing what was best for the county he was doing what's best for himself now you look at sam page and you see all these things happening in here there's a lot of reason to question the motives of why these secret apps and the you know allowing casinos to stay open but restaurants to not stay open having another job on top of this um, allowing people with the person that employs you through this other job to consult you and decide where money goes based on this coronavirus funding that came through there's a lot of problems we we got to flush out these issues period we just got to be done with it I um I think that in the end we need to really we need to really examine the problem that is just voting the way things have been voted in the past as in oh we're just always going to vote democrat in the county we got to stop that this is this is you're going to get burned over and over again by just allowing this to happen over and over again and i'm glad that tom sullivan joined us not that long ago and by the way already on twitter you can find a link to the radio rewind to the tom sullivan uh, response and just the general feelings of what's going down there and i gotta keep an eye out and see if kmov has an update i want to see if any more has there um you know it's funny because kmov at the very end of their story says we checked to see if other local leaders had it turns out prosecutors wesley bell and kim Gardner do have accounts st louis mayor elida Crusen does not wesley bell and kim gardner have accounts that's interesting Why would they need those sort of things? Hmm. And it's funny, too, because in the city, you already have information that the special prosecutors have requested in order to look into this whole Greitens case in some of the um, documents. What, they've been sandbagging like crazy, not turning over all these documents. That's one of the gripes that the special prosecutor has when it comes to the way that Kim Gardner has conducted herself through this investigation, making it very difficult to get things that shouldn't be that difficult to get. Now we find out that she has an app, too, that, I don't know, deletes text messages that may not have been allowed to be deleted based on what needs to be preserved on our sunshine laws? Come on now. We got to be realistic here. We can't allow this kind of corruption, or at least the appearance of it, to go unfettered over and over and over again. And I, I use that term corruption because when I, um, and keep in mind this is purely speculative in my. Stands, but I'm feeling pretty confident that if you have this app, you're using it. And if you're using this app, how should we trust you as a politician or an elected official that you're using it 100% in the way that you say you're using it and you're not using it when it comes to official business that needs to be preserved? Why should we believe you? <laughs> That's the big question. And if the answer is, oh, just believe us, well, look at how many times you've been investigated. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't. All right, so coming up right after the break, Patrick Hedger is going to join us. He's the vice president of policy at the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. Apparently, insurance companies are trying to pull a fast one, and I thought this might be a good conversation to have with him. He'll be joining us right after the weather. We'll
1: take a look at that, too, on Overnight America KMOX.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
2: News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals.
3: Welcome back to Overnight America. Patrick Hedger is the Vice President of Policy at the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. Thank you so much, Patrick, for joining us tonight on KMOX.
4: Hey, thanks for having me.
3: So, at the Taxpayers Protection Alliance, I know you pay very close attention, a watchdog organization, a consumer watchdog organization. And this is something that you're tipping people off to of what's going on today when it comes to insurance companies that may be setting their own price control levels as opposed to Congress overseeing things. I'm hoping you might be able to explain what's going on today. It's, It's very important to note that we're looking at perhaps a second or third stimulus package, which would put, you know, billions of dollars in place for purchasing vaccines and whatnot. We're seeing that people um, have gotten promises in the past that things should be covered and they're not getting covered. And all of a sudden that you have insurance companies that are dictating what Congress needs to do when it comes to their own control. And that is raising some red flags. I'm kind of hoping you can explain what's going on.
4: Yeah, absolutely. We've got a really sticky situation right now in Washington, where we not only have a lame duck session of Congress, but we also have um, this a lot of must pass legislation, uh, especially related to the COVID-19 crisis, and, and that is creating a really, perf- really good perfect storm for people to try and sneak lots of things into what. Is otherwise must pass legislation, right? COVID-19 relief, National Defense Authorization Act, things like that. Um, And you've got a lot of people outgoing from office that may may or may not be held accountable for these votes. Um, You've got a lot of people not paying attention to getting into the holidays. What's concerning here is that uh, in in relation to uh, insurance companies setting their own rates is the issue of surprise medical billing, which is an issue that does need to be addressed, right? You know, folks don't need to be left out in the cold, especially in the time of COVID-19 with excessive health care bills that they weren't expecting to get. But we know basic economics tells us price controls don't work. And what the insurance companies are pushing is essentially nationwide price controls for reimbursements. Yeah, and
3: this is what I've seen. We've had some other people on before to talk about this, and it's important to point out that you're promised during this whole COVID thing is if you need a test, we just, it's more important that you get a test than anything else. We'll take care of it. The insurance companies will take care of it. You don't have to worry about it because we, it's more important that you know and we can stop this spread than anything else. You shouldn't have to worry. Um, that it, you're going to have to get a, a giant bill in the end. So what ends up happening is that you find people getting a test, they go into their doctor or pop-up areas or whatever, and they go in and they test, but then they do all these other things, and then they send you this giant bill, and you're thinking to yourself, hey, wait a minute, they told me I wouldn't have to be charged for this, and then they're still getting bills from hospitals and medical providers when they were promised that none of this stuff would happen. So there's all of these underhanded things that are going on. And part of the problem that you're pointing out here, that at least from what I'm hearing, is that when we're even going to infuse more billions of dollars into the use of these COVID vaccines, it's just going to lead to the potential of even more people getting surprising bills when they go in to get a, like a vaccine, for example.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a, this is a perennial problem. Surprise medical billing is is, is a problem. Um, but... You know, uh, there, we don't want to see the, this crisis, right? And as Rahm Emanuel ever always said, you know, never let a never let a good crisis go to waste. I believe that was attributed to him. Um, we're seeing, you know, people try and take advantage of this opportunity to set long-term policy, uh, you know, based on the conditions of a short-term crisis, and, and that's really problematic. And again, we don't want to see folks. Uh, that are left high and dry because they do get a surprise medical bill when they have to see somebody that's out of their network. But there are other ways to resolve this. I mean, setting price controls from Washington, um, that is a recipe for things to backfire. Um, That's a recipe for shortages. Um, And and that's the worst thing that we can do in the long term, especially in dealing with a pandemic, is not properly reimbursing healthcare providers uh, for the services they offer because they'll stop offering them
5: mm
4: so uh, tell me again uh, so what
3: are the insurance companies lobbying for right now what what are those things that they're trying to do through congress
4: well effectively it's rate setting which is a uh, a nicer way of saying price controls and they they call it rate setting because the economic literature is pretty clear what price controls do um you know you either get you either get overproduction or underproduction either way there's waste um and it's not helpful to the economy um this rate setting that they're trying to do um, is effectively saying that instead of the insurance companies and the doctors working it out amongst themselves for the spe- for the specific situations that are at hand when a patient does get a surprise bill uh, that Congress should set some sort of benchmark um, that is acceptable nationwide and and that just doesn't that doesn't make sense when you have patients that are receiving Everybody receives different care, right? Everybody is different. You have different situations that patients are encountering and getting billed for. And so trying to legislate all of this and, and legislate specific prices from Washington, D.C., is going to cause way more harm than good. And it's going to create a lot of uncertainty for the doctors. And, and that's the last thing that we want, I mean, especially at a time when we have tremendous uncertainty already in the healthcare sector.
3: Wow, could you know could this be a way of looking at it um maybe double dipping in the sense where you have all this billions of dollars being infused into the sector right now because they're talking about the se- uh, the next stimulus package and what would be thrown that way. This is just another way for them to try to outpace what would be given to them purposely in order to try to get more money.
4: Yeah, I mean it, it's a, it's essentially about Spend, not having to spend more when in covering a patient's bills, right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to set these benchmarks that are below what doctors are and other healthcare providers are actually owed for the services that they provide. Um, and it, it's a way for them to fall back and, and, and really not take accountability. Um, and, and again, it's, it's the simple economics here. This is a huge problem that we have in this country, Regardless of what we're talking about when it comes to health care, whether it's the Affordable Care Act or talking about nation- nationalized health care or this issue or prescription drugs, it's this idea, there's this pervasive idea that the laws of economics go out the window when it comes to health care. That's not true. <laughs> With providers are uh, supplying and, and the patients are the demand, um, we need to have prices actually accomplish what they're supposed to do, which is allocate resources, allocate healthcare resources, and ensure doctors are incentivized to provide adequate care and, and, and direct care where it is needed. And when you start introducing government price controls, uh, it, just like it happens anywhere else in the market, when you introduce a minimum wage that's too high, uh, you get unemployment. Those secondary effects happen in healthcare as well when you start monkeying with the prices.
3: Mm. Patrick Hedger is the vice president of policy at the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. And I I guess this might be a broader question when it comes to health care. When they talk about doing an overhaul and you have some of the more you know, the Bernie Sanders of the world, the Medicare, Medicaid for all. They say if we can just take over the market, pay for everything, then it'll drive the prices down. You know, they, they tried it with Obamacare and we saw that kind of failed. But if you do it on a mass scale, they say it'll work at that point. Is this kind of the same idea that if you get the government in there trying to control it in such a way, you're going to harm the system so much that you're going to have these unintended consequences?
4: I could see some folks going along with it for that reason i i I don't think the insurance companies are looking to put themselves out of business um but they're not going to do themselves any favor by by creating a situation that that does make the healthcare situation in the united states worse by creating shortages um you're Mm -hmm. going to increase the, the natural tendency for people to call for more intervention and and we don't want that we already have too heavily of a regulated sector from from insurance to, uh, to certification of doctors, to them being able to work across state lines. Um, we need to get the government more and more out of our, our health care. And, and frankly, we can't afford the health care that's paid for by the government that we have now. Medicare is in the hole for trillions of dollars down the road that we don't have a revenue source for.
3: We got a lot of those problems right now. Now, just given the circumstances we're in today and we look at it as an urgent need when it comes to fighting the coronavirus, can you think of any other examples in the past where we've seen a similar situation and how it's played
4: out? Oh, gosh, Uh, you know, it's an it's an unprecedented crisis, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, But unfortunately, go ahead. Sorry,
3: I can't remember any other time where you might have seen large lobbying to Congress in such a fashion where we've seen this type of argument that has been brought up just based on knowing that there's a lot of people on board bipartisan in such a way where even that package came through where they want to start funding it, it, where they've been able to make a claim like this. And I just can't think of another emergency where this type of lobbying argument has been made if this is just unprecedented in that way.
4: Yeah, I think it's really what we've seen uh, in the past on steroids in terms of governing crisis governance, right? These these omnibus bills, instead of actually passing individual appropriations bills, Congress waits till the last minute, runs right up against a government shutdown, sometimes does shut down. And all sorts of nasty things get included in the must pass bill to reopen the government and fund the military. Um, and, And we're seeing that now, not just with those bills to fund the government and fund the military, but the necessary relief for coronavirus, for the businesses that are being forced to shut down. So we just have, uh, I guess, a triple whammy, if you will, um, versus, you know, just the single uh, government appropriations bills or military appropriations
3: bills. Wow, triple whammy, not a bad use of that term. So if people wanted to find your work at the Taxpayers Protection Alliance, where can they go?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, www.protectingtaxpayers.org. Uh, if it pertains to domestic economic policy, uh, you can be sure that we're working on it. Um, and we're looking out for consumers and we're looking out for taxpayers. You know, we're a, bi- a nonpartisan organization. We're just trying to call balls and strikes.
3: How many other different issues are you working on right now? Or is this an, a top priority?
4: This is certainly a top priority, but there's many other issues that we're working on. We're focused on making sure that uh, uh, we still have a... a, a competitive approach to uh, technology and telecommunications. That's a huge issue for us right now, especially with the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot there. Um, and we're also we're working on, again, a multitude of issues with domestic economic policy and also preparing to push back against what we know is going to be an increased amount of regulation and calls for spending under the Biden administration. Oh boy, yeah, there'll be a uh, definitely a tidal wave, I'm sure.
3: Uh, Patrick Hedger, Vice President of Policy at the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. Hey, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Overnight America.
4: Hey, thanks for having me.
3: And he joins us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line on Overnight America, KMox.
2: This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michaels Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMox. <laughs>
3: So I got a couple of other stories that may get you a little worked up. I I read these things and I think, you got to be kidding me on this. So there was a very generous person that went in and tipped an awesome uh, tip for a waitress, a $2,000 tip in Texas. But the restaurant refuses to give her the money. Come on now. What a lousy thing. And maybe... Publicly shaming (laughs) this restaurant is the way to do it. All right, so here's what ended up happening. And the New York Post was the one that reported this, originally reported by KVUE in San Antonio. It was a seafood and bar called The Red Hook. And she's a waitress. She receives this giant tip only to find out the restaurant won't be dishing out the tip that she received as a waitress. She was working tables. She knows that there was a man in her section. She kept apologizing for being slow. I guess they were overworked. And the person said, I understand. She said, I own restaurants. I know how hard it is to be a server. And she kept doing the best she could. Well, eventually the guy ends up getting his meal ticket. And they look at the ticket and there it is. $2,000 on a $69 bill. Puts a $2,000 tip on there. It says, Merry Christmas, keep working hard. How beautiful is that? And she said, I can't believe this. This is this can't be true. What am I looking at here? Not a chance. There's no way this could be right. So she goes and she tries to put in the tip in the back. And there's not a problem with payment. That's not the issue. Right. It it processed fine. But the excitement, the restaurant owners and the manager, whoever it was, said, oh, I'm sorry. We can't process this large of a tip. So sorry. You're kind of out of luck. Well, the other waitresses stepped in and said, wait a minute, okay, if, if the tip is larger than 500, sure, but just process it as four individual tips of 500. So 500, 500, 500, 500. The server suggested doing that. But the restaurant said, nope. So it's unclear why the restaurant wouldn't do that in order to help their own waitress that received that, honestly, the tip. And it said, I don't think it's our responsibility as a server to say, oh, no, you can't tip that much. And she's absolutely Right. And this is part of, of something I've learned when it comes to generosity. If someone wants to be generous to you, you may have experienced it for yourself. You may have been at a restaurant and someone said, oh, the, the people over there paid for your meal or you're in line at a fast food restaurant, a uh, fast food joint or whatever, and you're going through the drive through and you get to the window and it says, oh, the person in front of you paid for your meal. You know, there's there's little things of generosity that people do every once or oh, they might give you a little gift. Oh, I got you a little something, this or that. And I want you to keep in mind, if someone does that to you, you should be able to accept their generosity and say thank you, mostly because the reason they're doing that is because they wanted to do that. It's not like they were subpoenaed by court in order to do something nice to you. Why would you deny them trying to do something nice to you, be a blessing to you? Why would you you say no to that? This restaurant did (laughs) And they stiffed this poor waitress out of two thousand dollars. So she put the message up on social media and she had to say, This is what my this is what my work is trying to do. When she wanted to call with gratitude, the manager said the information had been taken down. But of course they got the information from this person for sure. And they went out there and wanted to thank that person. The restaurant's still not responding to why they were hassling this poor waitress for trying to get A very nice tip. And by the way, this is a great point that producer Mike points out. It's her money, not theirs. If the person at the table is tipping, they're tipping directly for the purpose of that waitress to get it, not to the restaurant. Yeah. So I really hope that maybe using this. I, You know, the first thing I thought was, I hope we're not being played. I hope that this isn't a a fake, one of those fake deals. (laughs) <laughs> where where they're just trying to use the national attention in order to get other people to try to donate money to them. I really hope it's not one of those things, but it looks pretty... Uh, it, it doesn't look to be that case. It just looks like this restaurant was doing a bad thing. Um, let, me, let me bring this up, too. That makes me so angry when I see things like that. I want you to know that if you want to be generous to the show, you don't have to give me a tip, go download the podcast. That's a good way to be generous or no, no, even better. Follow me on Facebook, Ryan Wrecker radio on Facebook, because it does make me happy when we communicate on there. There's another story coming out of Canada, and I think that there are a lot of people in Canada right now that are wondering what's going to happen with these digital services. Are there going to be additional taxes that are added in? The government says that they're looking to tax digital services things like Netflix, Amazon, and Spotify. So if you stream Netflix to watch movies or Amazon to watch movies or Spotify to listen to music or whatever it is, the government in Canada says, no, we want a a little piece of the pie in this. And they think it could raise a billion dollars doing it. So the cost of digital services and goods by foreign companies like Netflix will go under a taxation plan. So they're putting like a tariff on American digital services and things. So they believe that could add up to $1.2 billion over five years. The Netflix taxes, some people are labeling it, digital products and video and audio streaming services. I don't know how YouTube in places that also could charge a premium will fare with that. I know Amazon owns Twitch, which is a video game streaming service, too. Some people use that as a way to tip. I don't know if that's like a subscription model, but I think you can make it a subscription model through Amazon Prime. Um, The government says Canadian companies already collect taxes when they make digital sales. So it's only fair to do so to multinational companies. And I think that here in the United States, we might not be too far away from that happening here too. This has been a gripe with a lot of local businesses. And it's, uh, it's one that is actually... A very reasonable gripe, which is we're doing business based on the regulations of our area, but then these other companies, they don't have the same regulations. So the ride sharing companies like Uber and Lyft and places like that, why do they have less regulation than local taxi companies? You know, people that have been here and they're the ones that are in our area, paying taxes in our area, building and employing people in our area, doing things like that. Why would the regulations be less for the exact same service? This is good. Same thing when it comes to people buying um, things online. Why would you be able to skirt sales tax when if you were to buy it in store, you'd have sales tax, but ship it to your home. There's no difference. You know, there's some really good things to try to argue here. And I think here in the United States, individual states, you're going to see a lot more of that happening soon. Oh, before we go, let's go to Ken real quick. Welcome to Overnight America.
5: Thanks, Ryan. Uh, I used to work for the Wage and Hour Division, so we enforce the minimum wage and the overtime laws. And the way this tip deal works, at least according to the law, if it's a service charge, like at a country club, where no money exchanges hands, they just add 18%, 20%, whatever, that belongs to the company. Mm -hmm. When you see something like, uh, on tables of 10 or more, we automatically add in 18 20%. That mm-hmm. belongs to the restaurant. Okay. But anything where the the person leaves and has a choice, like this now I'm assuming this $2000 was not a service charge if the bill Right, was
3: it was added on as a choice. Yeah.
5: So she could have actually called, and you, know, you got a 2-year statute limitations on this stuff, but she can call the wage and art well did she eventually get it or not?
3: They have not said. The, the the restaurant hasn't sold and she says As of right now, she hasn't received it. So they're trying to get a hold of the original person. But this is down in Texas. Yeah. Uh, And Ken, that makes a great point. They should reach out to that. Excellent, excellent call. Thank you for that. All right. Coming up next, Dr. Dean Waldman. And what are we going to do with our healthcare system? He's got some suggestions next on KMOX.